0: Good morning, everybody doing okay today? Good to see you, I wanna welcome those of you who are joining us right now from uh, an offsite campus or on the internet, home, wherever you happen to be. Uh, We're glad that you are alone. I want it all and I want it now. That could be a theme song for our generation, in fact I think it kinda is, anybody relate to that? Yeah, have you ever got frustrated when you're waiting on something? Anybody? (laughs) Come on, yes. Today, anybody been frustrated today when you're waiting? We hate to wait. I don't like to wait. I want it all, and I want it right now. Okay, so I like ice in my drink, okay? So here's my, you guys have routines in the morning? Some of you get up and you fix coffee in the morning. I don't fix coffee. Starbucks fix my coffee, okay? But, uh, and don't judge. But I, I get up in the morning, and I get my fake Yeti, and I go to the ice machine to get ice, okay? Well, we had a terrible, terrible situation in our home uh, a few weeks ago. In fact, it's a couple, three months ago by now. Um, our ice machine broke. I, I know that is a first world issue and problem, Okay. They used to not, you say, they used to, my grandparents didn't even have ice and then they had the time when the ice man would come around and they'd give you a chunk of ice and then your refrigerators had ice makers in them and they would always break down. Any testimonies on that? And now, our refrigerator doesn't even have an ice maker in because we bought an ice maker and how important that is. And it went out on us a few weeks ago. Months ago by now. And uh, so, so I said to Debbie, call a repair guy. Why was it her responsibility? I don't know. <laughs> I was winning people for Jesus, you know? And, <laughs> and so she got a hold of a repair, repair guy, and, and within a few weeks, he came out to our <laughs> house. And he w- worked for an hour or two on the machine. And when he was done, he said, I've got good news and not as good a news. I said, What is that? He said, The good news is just going to take this real small part, won't cost that much. The not as good of news is that it's back ordered, which meant it's on a ship somewhere between China and here. And because of the pandemic, who knows when you'll get ice? There's a crisis in our home. I want it all, and I want it now. So here's what we resorted to. Someone had given me one of these Yeti portable jobs a few years ago. So we would come to the church (laughs) and we would literally steal ice. I'll tell you how it's done. There's this room. There's this room right out in the front foyer here that's got a door on it. It's got a Mongo ice maker. I mean, it's huge, and what we would do is we would, it was a team effort, I would drive, I would park out here in the little spaces where they say, don't park, during the week, you can park there if you can find one, and we'd find one, and we'd wait until there was nobody around, and then Debbie's job was to run in, sneak in with this, and fill this up with stolen church ice, and somebody said, oh, you weren't stealing it, you were just borrowing it, we didn't borrow any of it, we didn't give any of it back. We stole ice because we were frustrated waiting. Well, you know, that's kind of silly, but it's true. Uh, My story pales in comparison to what a lot of you are waiting on. Seems like a lot of people are waiting on a lot of things right now. Just, I'm just going to, I walked through the foyer over the last few weeks and just heard what people are waiting on. Some of you are waiting on a job and it's getting desperate. Others of you uh, own businesses in the service industry. You can't get anybody to work for you, and it's getting desperate. You're waiting. Some people are waiting on a spouse. I know one story just broke my heart, just somebody that was like, you know, uh, had one of those birthdays that end in zero or five and thought they'd be married or have a different situation by then, and just frustrated with waiting, uh, some of you are waiting on a baby. Maybe that's a desire that you've had and can't get pregnant, or maybe it's waiting on a an adoption. I've heard those stories too. I was right out here a couple of weeks ago talking to a guy who's waiting on a transplant, waiting on a kidney, and if it doesn't come within a certain amount of time, you know, he's in trouble. Uh, I I've talked to several people who are waiting on healings. I know we're praying every day for Larry Tran, who's one of our musicians, who's been in the hospital uh, on a respirator for a while with COVID. And good news is he's off the respirator as of yesterday. And uh, I have several friends right now, several friends who are in the hospital on respirators. I never thought I'd see that that, uh, case. Uh, some, some people are, are waiting on a house. You know, will it get done? Uh, can I buy a house? Uh, and and so, some have just, in, you know, that, that might seem, oh, that's not that big of a deal unless it's you. <laughs> and you live in Mount Pleasant and you work for the church or you work wherever and, and you just can't find a house. You can't get a house. And even if you do, you, the prices are going up so much that you can't afford it. There, people are waiting. Can I have a testimony on this? People are waiting for COVID to be over. Over, over. We thought, we thought, as, as little as a month ago, we thought, well, we've got this thing licked, and now, boom, here it comes again. Uh, just waiting on a lot of things. You know, the Bible says there's value in waiting. You don't want to hear it. The Bible says you gain strength when you wait. You, you gain wisdom. You get endurance. It gives us perspective. It helps us focus. It gives us humility, and I believe that humility is really Uh, humility and gratitude are the key to everything, everything in life. Just do those two things and you'll be fine in life. But you know, I don't want, I I, I know that, but I still don't like to wait. We know a lot about waiting as a church. I mean, the building that you're sitting, if you're right here in Mount Pleasant, the building that you're sitting in, people ask me, how long did it take to build that building? I say 20 years, (laughs) 20 years. And We waited and waited, waited and waited. And then you know, we started ARC about 20 years ago, the Association of Related Churches, and and uh, uh, in the next few weeks we're going to plant our 1,000th church. Can you imagine that? We've got uh, we've got 40 church planters in waiting. In fact, one of them's right over here. Wave, wave, wave. We'll get you up on the stage in a week or two. But planting a planting a church in Somerville. But we we. Uh, We've got about 40 church planters that are in the hopper right now. It'll put us over 1,000. And we're going to have our 20th anniversary art conference right here in Charleston, 18 months ago. And COVID happened. And so we just delayed it and delayed it and delayed it. And now we're having it in October. COVID, no COVID. We're having the art conference here. And we've got got this place uh, filled twice. Uh, we got ahead to do two conferences since we waited so long and uh, but we've been waiting and now we're waiting on volunteers. We need an arc dream team. This is your opportunity. Let me tell you what's going on. I'm going to do a little sales pitch right here. Get your phone out. Get your phone out. Everybody get your phone out. Get your phone. Get your phone. Get your phone. Get, your phone. get ready with your phone. All right. Arc conference is amazing. You're going to have about 5,000 pastors from all over the world that are going to be here. Uh, you're going to hear amazing stories. Uh, there are going to be speakers. John Maxwell. Anybody ever heard of John Maxwell? John Maxwell's going to be here. Christine Kane. Anybody ever heard of Christine Kane? Christine Kane's going to be here speaking. And Chris Hodges is going to be here speaking. And Greg Surratt. Whoa! 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 All right? And uh, you can't be in here, but we've got a place for you where you can be, because this is totally so. And here's all you got to do to be a part of the dream team. Smile. Everybody smile. Can you nod your head and point? That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. And if you can serve for an hour, that'd be great. Half a day, that'd be wonderful. All day, great. All week, whatever. Here's what you do. Get, got your phone? Got your phone? I need 100 from this campus and 100 from our other campuses. I need 100 people to, to, to dial 320 320 and put the word ARC in there, and we will hook you up, all right? We will hook you up. How's that? Everybody all right? Everybody still love me? It's great. You're gonna love me more after you serve, okay? All right, so so, so we're waiting. Did I say ARC? A-R-C, 320, 320, all right? That's it. 100 people right here, and 100 out there. All right, good. Waiting. Just the idea of waiting can be frustrating. You know, the truth is, We're going to all spend a fair share of time in the waiting rooms of life. Not every waiting room is the same, but waiting is a given. Misery while waiting is an option. You don't have to be miserable while you wait. And I want to talk to you about that today uh, because God's word uh, has uh, really some specific things about what to do while you're waiting on an answer, on a house, on spouse, on whatever it happens to be, finances. What do you do while you wait? And what we're gonna do is we're gonna study uh, Psalm 130 because it is a psalm about waiting. All I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go verse by verse through that we're gonna see what God says about waiting. Let me explain the psalm just a minute. Here's what it says. It says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. Now this psalm is a psalm of ascent. There's a few psalms that are psalms of ascent. What's that about? Well, there were certain holidays in Israel that that it was expected that everybody would leave wherever they lived and go to Jerusalem, hike up to Jerusalem. And then there was a party. Like the one that this one is attached to was the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a week-long party, lots of great food in Jerusalem, and everybody got to sleep in tents. And it pointed back to a time when Jerusalem was 40 years, or the Israelites were 40 years in the desert. God took care of them. So, so uh, uh, everybody had to go, and, and you didn't have cars, and so basically it's walking from wherever you lived to Jerusalem. Now, uh, if you lived at the Sea of Galilee, which is where Jesus lived, and did 90% of his ministry, 95% actually, took place in a little five-mile radius right around the Sea of Galilee. Well, the Sea of Galilee is in the north part of Israel, and the, uh, uh, it's about 75 miles from Jerusalem where you had to hike to. And the elevation at the Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level, okay? 700 feet below sea level. Jerusalem is 2,500 feet above sea level, okay? So you had to walk nearly uphill. It would be like, for instance, if you live here in Charleston and we, we just all hiked to Orangeburg, okay're I don't know why you'd want to do that, but we all hike to Orangeburg about the same amount of, amount of distance, except for rather than Orangeburg being a flat hike, Orangeburg would be the height of actually higher than Asheville, a thousand feet higher than Asheville. it's like Boone, North Carolina okay or uh, where I'm from, and we went back there this summer, uh, if you hiked from Denver to Vale, it would be about the same. Denver's 5,000 uh, uh, feet and Vail's uh, uh, about 8,500 8, uh, feet above sea level. And so, and so you're hiking up. That's why it's called the psalm of what? Ascent. You would sing on your way there. And, it, and, and the psalm is a picture, a word picture of life built around a uh, topography, a, a, a reality. A, we're hiking uphill to Jerusalem, all right? So, so they go from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. So what can we learn? What can you do when you have to wait on God? Here's the first thing. Verse one, cry out to God. When, you, when, when you're in a waiting period, it seems like, that seems like, oh, you know, that's, no, it's so important that you cry out to God. He says, out of the depths, the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Out of the depths, 700 feet below sea level. Out of the depths, have you ever been 700 feet below sea level in your life? I mean, just with issues, going on. Have you ever been, anybody here ever been lower than a snake's belly? That's how I like to call it. I mean, you're just low, down, 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 do be down. Okay. Just, just low. And he says, out of the depths, the depths represent when you hit rock bottom and you realize you can't fix this on your own. I remember what happened to me Uh, relationally in Actually, in a marriage, in a marriage, I've had one. <laughs> oh, said so I can fix everything. And I can remember at one point going, but oh God, I can't fix this. I can't even fix me. What do I do? What do I do? I've been there physically. What do you do when you can't fix it? When you're at the depths of whatever it is, and you can't, in fact, in, in Psalm 130 in verse one, in the message, it says that this way, help God. The bottom has fallen out of my life. (laughs) You ever felt like that? Not everybody is like that here today, but there are some of you that are. You came to the right place. Um, I hate to say this, but those of you who aren't, you will be. So listen up, take notes, and pray for those that are. Whether the problem is financial or illness or relational, you are at a place of deep personal pain. And in those moments, you're faced with a choice. You can bottle it up. I'm just going to suck it up. I'm going to get through this. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. Here's the problem. When you bottle things up, they tend to explode at some point. And it's not good when it happens. So you can either bottle it up or you can do, as the psalmist here says, pour it out. I cry, Out of the depths, I cry to you. Be careful who you pour it out to. Counselors are helpful. Small groups are Helpful. But God is the source of hope. He's the source of help. Here's what I see a lot is that when people are down at the bottom, when they're lowering a snake's belly, when they've been there for a while, we quit praying. We act like, well, this is my lot in life, or God's got this against me, or, or maybe you're, you've got something against God. God, if you hadn't moved in this month, I don't have to talk to you anymore. See, don't stop praying. When the bottom falls out of your life, the psalmist here says God is still there. Now, there's a clue to the source of the issue, at least that Israel has, in the next verse, verse 3. It says, if you, Lord, keep a record of sins, who could, who could stand? What they're saying is the issue with Israel as a whole and a lot of individuals is it's a sin issue. Listen, When the Bible says don't sin, it's not because it's taking away something that's really good in your life. Now, sin might be fun for a season, but sin throws sand in the gears of life. It makes everything worse, everything. And here the psalmist says, if you, Lord, keep a record of sins, who could stand? How many sinners do we have in the house? Real quick. Okay, all right, good. Pretty. Uh, those of you who watched online, I mean, it's almost unanimous here. In fact, let's do this. How many of you have sinned today? How many of you have sinned today? Would you like to give a little testimony? Maybe it's in the car, parking lot, here. <laughs> you yeah, know, whatever. The psalmist says, you know, God, here's the good news. If you kept a record of my sins, I'd be toast. Here's the problem. God keeps a record of your sins. You don't believe that. God keeps score, Revelations 20, end of times. It says, then I saw a great white throne of him who was seated on on it and the earth and the heavens fled from his presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The deeds, or the dead, were judged according to what they had done, as is recorded in the books. Uh, that's not real good news, right there. Um, that's a problem. That's a problem, right there. However, however, the next verse in the psalm rectifies that. But with you, he says, there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Hebrews ten seventeen says that because what this this psalm is is looking ahead to Jesus. Jesus is all in this thing, even though Jesus has not been born on earth yet. He was the creator of all things. It doesn't say Jesus, but it points to Jesus. It says there is forgiveness. Hebrews 10:17 says that because of Jesus, Hebrews 10:17, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Even though they're written down, they are forgiven in Jesus when you come to him. It's not this case of divine amnesia, that God's getting old so he doesn't remember all your sins, or you can slip one by on him. No, he chooses to forgive your sin in Jesus Christ. You know, people people come to me every once in a while and say, boy, I hope God will forgive this. God has already forgiven that. That's not the issue. The issue is, will you confess your sin? Because he is faithful and just to forgive you. Those books, they go away. So, first thing you do when you find yourself in waiting, in a waiting room of life, is cry out to God. Cry out to God. Second thing you do is wait in expectation. Wait in expectation. He says, I wait for the Lord. Let's read this one out loud. Can we do it here at the campuses? I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. There's a couple of ways to read the first part of that scripture especially. I wait for the Lord. Everything in me is waiting. My whole being waits for the Lord. Well, I'm gonna put my my faith in, in his word. That's like, oh boy, here we go again. I'm in a prison of waiting. That's not what this means. In fact, if you look it up in the original, in the Hebrew, the word wait literally means to look for with eager expectation. Let me illustrate it like this. I have a dog. Anybody else have a dog? Would you like my dog? Uh, It's it's fine, it's fine. We're training him, and he does most of the things we ask except for he barks and hops on people. If you can figure out how to do something with that, great. But anyway, so how do I train him? How do I train him? With treats, right? And I'll go, the, the biggest thing that's hard for him, Kobe is his name. Uh, it, it, I say, Kobe, wait. He, he loves to wait. <laughs> Not really, but wait, and, and, and I got a treat, and here's what he does. <laughs> He's waiting, but it's with expectation <laughs> that there's a treat coming. I want you to remember that picture. When God says, wait, it's waiting with expectation. It's like a dog, give me the trick. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. That's how we wait in faith, see? And I put, and in his word, I put my hope. So while you're waiting, be careful where you put your hope. Don't put your hope on your feelings. Anybody ever had feelings lie to you or not tell you exactly what the situation is? Yeah. Yeah, your feelings can go all over the place while you're waiting. Don't don't base your hope on your circumstances. Boy, how in the world are we gonna get out of this one? I don't know, but we are. We wait. We wait with expectations. Do base your hope fully on the word of God. There's a song, sometimes when I'm waiting and I don't understand, I'll get along in my car by myself And I'll sing. Now, I'm not gonna sing it to you right now because it would ruin the experience, perhaps ruin the entire song uh, for you. But I'll I'll sing to myself, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Psalm 5 verse 3 says, In the morning, Lord, You hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly like a dog for a treat, okay? I wait, wait expectantly. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. I don't care what your feelings say. I don't care what your circumstances are. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and what? A future. And because of that, because of God's word, we can wait expectantly. I don't know what you're waiting on right now. And it may be really, really difficult, but you can wait expectantly. The next verse is so beautiful. This is a song, okay? They're singing this all the way from wherever their house is up to Jerusalem. <clears throat> and uh, because it's a song, it's poetry, okay? So it's got a verse that's repeated. Here's what it says, next verse. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. That's kind of the echo of it. Well, what, is that, what does that mean? Have you ever pulled an all-nighter? Anybody ever pulled an all-night shift? Did you ever work on an all-night shift? I used to work 11 to 7. That's of the devil, okay? My, my daughter just recently, she's a nurse, My daughter just recently uh, moved to Days, but she's been working for years seven to seven, you know, seven at night, seven in the morning with four kids. She's my hero. Um, What is the hardest thing about working the night shift? Staying awake. Absolutely. I can remember days of, you know, just nodding off and hoping the boss didn't see me or something bad would happen. The biggest challenge is staying awake. It says, watchmen, it says, I, I, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. Watchmen were, um, were guys that were stationed on the wall of a city. To, it's a dangerous place, both inside and outside at night. And they're watching for, you know, the bad stuff so that they can keep people safe. And it says those watchmen, they, they're waiting for the morning. The best part of the night shift is when? It's when the sun comes up. And guess what? The sun always comes up. There's never been a day in history when the sun didn't come up. It might be a little bit cloudy, it might be hard to see, might be a lot of things, but it's not night anymore. And there's coming a day when the sun will shine clearly. And so he's reminding them that that, that the night is the night is dark. The night might be real. The night feels long, but there is no doubt the morning is coming. It never fails. And your waiting period may be dark. It may be very hard. It may feel like it's been long, but there is no doubt. Can I tell you, your morning is coming. Your morning is coming, and you can rely on God's work. How, how, how do you think that that would improve your outlook on life? Cry out to God, wait expectantly. Let me give you one more wait in hope. It's similar to expectancy, but there's a difference in it. He says, Israel, verse seven, the first part of it, put your hope in the Lord. <laughs> Whoever the psalmist is, he goes from, from waiting to preaching. Now he said, it's about him and here's what we need to do. But now Israel, he turns to the person next to him and says, listen, I haven't found what I'm looking for yet. I'm still waiting, but now I'm waiting in hope. It goes from his head to his heart. Have you ever heard the, the, the phrase, it dropped into my spirit? You knew it up here, but it goes down here and now you're waiting expectantly and you want everybody else around you to experience the same peace that you're experiencing. There's people on your road, there's people in your small group, there's people in this church, there's people in the workplace, there's people at school and they're discouraged and they're frustrated and they're waiting and you're waiting and yet you're waiting now with expectation. He says, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. He gets his eyes off his problems and he starts helping somebody else. He looks around and he sees others who are waiting on something. Hey Israel, put your hope in the Lord. So why should you put your hope in the Lord? Look at the next part of the verse. For the Lord is two things. The Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Let's just break those apart. Unfailing love. Everything else that you can put your hope in has the potential to fail you. Everything. If you put your hope in people, they could fail you. I was going to say they will. I I, I don't want to be that dire. But they could fail you. Any testimonies on that? Keep your hands down. If you put your hope in things, they could fail you. Your car could fail. You can have a hurricane or a fire or a flood or like Haiti, another earthquake. And by the way, we have, our partners are already on the ground in Haiti. And if you want to help there, relief, you just text RELIEF to 320, 320 and put it in a an mount. And we'll get it right on the ground into Haiti. We'll tell you more about that in the, in the future as it develops. But uh, if you put your hope in the economy, it goes up and down. You could have a crash. If you put your hope in politics, I'm not even going to go there. Put your hope. Sometimes we put our hope in a scenario. Okay. This is how this thing should work out. Have you ever done that? If, if You know, I'm waiting on this, and this is exactly how it, and it doesn't work out that way. It doesn't work out that way. Sometimes it's different. But with the Lord, it says, there is unfailing love. Unfailing refers to covenant. God is incapable of breaking a covenant, and he is covenanted to love you and to bring about a good ending to wherever you are. 1 Corinthians chapter. 13 and verse eight says, love never fails. In other words, there's no expiration date on God's love. And the second part of that verse says, with him is full redemption. I love this. He is reminding Israel. He is reminding Seacoast. He's reminding you and me that our story is part of a bigger story that has a great and perfect ending, and don't ever forget that. See, I don't like stories that have incomplete endings. If there's a television show that says to be continued, I ain't watching it. (laughs) You have done things with my emotions and you're gonna leave me for a week? No way. I don't like books, I don't like movies that they don't tie it all together. That's why I love John Grisham novels. They tie all the strings together, and you know at the end the hero is going to end up on a beautiful island with his toes in the water and not a worry in the world, and you thought I was going there. (laughs) Our story doesn't have loose ends. It involves full redemption. With him, there is full redemption. Redemption, everything that was wrong will be set right. Israel is redeemed, the church is redeemed, the world is redeemed, our bodies are redeemed, our relationships are redeemed. It's a great story, you really should read it sometime. That's that's where we're going. I'm not saying that you'll have to wait until then. I don't know what God's will is for you. I know it's good, but I know at the end of everything, there is redemption. And then the psalmist concludes this psalm of ascent. They're they're about to Jerusalem now. About waiting with this. He says, he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. There's another picture of Jesus right there. Says, just to make sure nobody messes this, this one up, he's gonna himself do it. And he did. Jesus, God, became man. And he lived a sinless life. And he died in order to reverse the curse of sin for you and I. In Ephesians chapter one and verse seven says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on the earth under Christ. It says, God's got this. God's got this. You've just seen a little tiny piece of what your future is. So as I conclude, I just ask, what are you waiting for that's breaking your heart right now? It might be a lost love. It could be a broken body. It could be a financial thing, a source of income or people to help you. You could be waiting on a good report and you're afraid of a bad report. So what do you do while you're waiting? Cry out to God. Cry out to God. Wait with expectation because the sun's coming up. It always does. And wait with hope. God's got this. So I was working on this message this week and one of my friends who's sitting right here, Joel, who prays for me every day. And, uh, and every once in a while he'll send a little word of encouragement. And this week, Joel, here's what you sent me one of the times. Psalm 56 in verse 11 and 12 in the Amplified Version. It says, in God... I have put my trust in confident reliance. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Your vows are upon me, O oh God. I will render praise to you and give you a thank offering. And then, and then he made a list of God's vows. I don't know whether you researched this or you got it from somewhere, but it sunk right down here into my spirit. Here's God's vows. He is for you. He won't let you go. He's going to protect. He's going to provide. He's going to comfort. He's going to heal. He's preparing a mansion, a place for you. He's good to you. He dances over you. He died for you. I tell you what, when I read that, it helped this message go from here to here. From the lowest of low places in the Psalm of Ascent, we're now on top of Jerusalem. We know the truth. We know the, the end of the story. And we know God's word to us. And so I, I, I want to take just a minute and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads all through this place and also in the campuses? And here's who I want to specifically pray for right now. Everybody just bowed heads. I, I want to pray for those of you who you go, man, this spoke directly to me. I am waiting on something right now. Would you just lift your hand? Would you just lift your hand? I, I'm, I'm waiting, and it, it hurts. I'm waiting. Okay. All right. All over this place and no doubt in the campuses too. Okay? I want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful group of people who are waiting on you. God, you know before we pray what our situation is. Lord, you've given us your word. We cry out to you now. Just in your own way, just cry out to God. Cry out to God right now. We cry out to you. Lord, would you give us a a gift of waiting in expectation? Just by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be able to wait in expectation. And God, we're gonna put our hope in you. Right now, we're gonna put our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. We're gonna take uh, just a minute to respond to God. Actually, more than a minute, I love this. We're gonna take as much time as it needs. Just to respond to God, just to let it go from here to here. Take this next few minutes to let it go from here to here, okay? Um, ways to respond. Maybe you are waiting on something. Maybe you wanna go to a cross. There's no magic in what we do, but there is symbolism that is so rich. And then when I go to a cross and I put a little piece of paper and I put what I'm waiting on and I pin it to the cross, and as I do, I say, God, I'm giving this to you. Help me to wait now in the expectation. I receive your peace. So maybe you need to do that. Others of us, we have friends at candles that, or friends that we're gonna go to a candle and just pray for them. Somebody you know that's waiting on something and you're just gonna go pray. And, and you pray, may the, may the light of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, be made known in their life. Something like that. We're gonna have prayer teams here in various places around this building and all the buildings that we're in right now. And we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna ask other people to pray for us. Uh, they wanna they're the people that volunteer for the prayer team, it's not a it's not a chore for them, it's their delight. And they wanna lend you their faith. Okay? So come and Borrow somebody else's faith today. Uh, We're going to go to the offering boxes. We're going to give cheerfully what God has given to us, or maybe we're going to go online and do that. Uh, We're going to uh, receive communion and celebrate the fact that Jesus loves us more than we can know. We're going to stand and sing and celebrate an awesome God. So what's God saying to you? How are you going to respond to him? Let's respond together.